Hello and happy to my friends. I'm Amy Lee San Juan and I'd like to welcome you to a Cisco Champion Unfiltered episode, a Cisco Champion radio spin-off series that gives our champions a platform to have casual conversations around a variety of topics focused on technology, career, and other interesting stuff. Don't forget, if you like our podcast, subscribe wherever you're listening to us to receive alerts on our latest releases. All right. Today, we are talking about how you can begin your journey to a network developer role. We'll provide some tips, best practices, tools, and ultimately a lot of great insights that can help you get started. We have a great panel of Cisco champions and Cisco guests to contribute to the conversation. So why don't we get started with introductions? Dan, I'm going to start with you. Tell us about yourself. You always pick me first. Alphabetical order. Change my name to Zan. Hi. I was going to be Billy, but he's not here. Darn it, Billy. Anyways. Hi, I'm Dan Kelcher. I am a solutions architect with IP Fabric. You can find me on Twitter at Ipswich. Um, but yeah, been in the IT field for 20-ish years now. Dealt with kind of some of the, the automation thing in the, the Windows world, the virtualization world, and now the networking world. All right. A lot of worlds. Kenny Paula, what do you do, my friend? Hi, my name is Kenny Paula. I'm an information security professional, um, you know, touching all things security, top to bottom from, you know, endpoint management and security all the way to um, policies and procedures. And I'm glad to be here today. Glad to have you. All right, Mark, who are you? Hi, I'm Mark Siebeling. I'm a principal consultant at Devo team in the Netherlands. And um, I've been working on automation of networks since I think 96, when I started being bored that you need to do so many things over and over again. Started out with Puppet and most of all Excel and VBA (laughs) to get the stuff done and for the last five six years i've been very intensely working with ansible and all kinds of stuff around that automating networks for service providers and everything around it and you're a pizza maker and i make pizzas when i'm hungry (laughs) all right nalima and jason thank you for joining us today can you tell us about your roles at cisco sure Hi, this is Nilima. I'm a software technical marketing engineer at Cisco. So it's been three years uh, I am working for Cisco. I majorly deal with the network automation tools and the licensing part of MIG products. And uh, I do develop a few network automation tools and I'm an open source contributor for open source automation tools. And previously, I was working as a full stack developer. I used to develop high performing web applications for financial industries. So currently, I'm mostly into the networking and automation. Thank you for joining us, Jason. That leaves you. Well, well, that's awesome because I, I, I know Nalima from speaking at the Chicago Network Operators Group just a few weeks back on October 6th, so I appreciate that. Uh, my name is Jason Gooley. I'm a technical evangelist for the Worldwide Enterprise Networking Software and Sales Team. 
Wow. <laughs> ah, if you can get through all that, then you can get through this next hour, I guarantee you. Um, but yeah, so a lot of what we do is focus on the enablement of our field, uh, as well as our partner engineers and a lot of customer facing teaching as well from the Cisco press side, the Pearson O'Reilly side, as well as events that are for our customers, such as test drives and things of that nature. All the mediums, all the different mediums. All right, Jason. So help us level set here. Can you help us define what automation means for this podcast? Well, what, what I, I'm going to piggyback off of a little bit of what uh, Mark had said and, 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 and kind of poke fun at, at, at some of this as well, because, you know, it was mentioned that sometimes you, you want to focus on automating some of the things that you're kind of tired of doing over and over and over again. And I think a lot of that holds true to everything we're doing today. The reason a lot of folks look at automation is because of time savings, right? I mean, if you can automate a lot of the manual processes or procedures that you go through, there's there's definitely a savings in time, which translates to dollars saved, cost saved, travel saved. Uh, but the other thing that I think is huge when you're starting to talk about automation is is the error of humans. Uh, we are not we are not invincible and, and, and non-error prone as much as we want to be. So sometimes one of the biggest things I'm, I'm gonna get it out of the way now and just say it because you know I say it every time. Uh, you can automate failure just as fast as you can automate success. So, I mean, to that point, you want to make sure if you can automate things in a way that will make it easier and better for you without having to automate some of the problematic issues that you might run into. Uh, so reducing human error is another huge reason to automate. Well, actually, Jason, you can automate failure a lot faster than you can automate Much success. <laughs> With blistering and you can do it. <laughs> There's, There is an absolute guarantee that you'll wreck it more thoroughly than you'll ever be able to do that manually. This is true. This is true. I mean, even, even, even when we were thinking about doing that, I, there have been many times that me, even as a network engineer, has used tools such as, you know, things like Cisco Works or whatever, any one of these kind of platforms you can go through and push out config with. Uh, if you push out the wrong config or push out something that still says shut down in it, uh, you might find out how fast you can you can automate failure instead of success, myself included. I've done this. There's one thing that you'll learn to include in all the configs, reload in. <laughs> reload in. It is a lifesaver. If you don't know what it is, check it out. Reload in might save yeah, your career. Yeah, yeah. no, but... Uh, I, I completely agree with what you said in the beginning. Start out with the small tasks, the small things that takes take a lot of time. You learn quickly to, f to figure out what works and what doesn't and what you need to learn more. And um, yeah, if you try to start in automation and think you can boil the ocean, maybe it's time to reconsider. Don't. <laughs> it, we have a heating planet anyway don't boil the ocean that's funny and um <clears throat> since we're already diving into and you know talking a little bit about network automation stuff like that um how does a network engineer you know we're talking about somebody with field experience already understand the technology and how things work so how does the network engineer goes from being just, you know, the plain CLI kind of guy or kind of person all the way to become a network developer? Easy. You basically do a lot of the same thing, but you figure out um, essentially wrappers for it. So, I, I, I mean, at least for me, the the like NetMiko and Paramiko from a kind of a Python library standpoint, 
they're both tools that would essentially just send CLI commands, but you can do it programmatically. So kind of to, to give a little bit of backstory for, for how I got into some of the networking from an automation standpoint, in the Windows world, I did a lot of batch scripting, which was just, here's, here's the commands that I'm going to run. Well, I'm going to make a batch file that runs that series of commands. And then when you look at like bash scripting or you look at some of the other stuff that's out there, PowerShell, whatever, it's for the most part, the same type of almost line by line. Here's the scripts that I'm going to run. You can do the same thing with automation using, like I said, NetMiko, Paramiko for making just Telnet SSH sessions into device, push CLI commands, pretty simple and straightforward. And it's a, a really easy place to start. Because now, again, you're using the same CLI syntax that you know, but now you can build things from a, a programming standpoint where maybe you've got a loop in there. So I want to do this for two switches. Well, you know, do one and then do two. And I can reuse that same code for multiple devices to make multiple changes, whatever I need to do. You know, that's, that's, that's awesome. I, you, want, you went to a much deeper... Uh, yeah, explanation because what I was going to say, this is a perfect opportunity to lay this one out because Kenny's teed it up so perfectly. He's like, how do you do, how do you get to be in this network developer? And I was just going to come through and be like one line of code at a time, but you, you, you <laughs> one line of code at a time, right? No, but yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, I think uh, to, to your point, using, using things like tools where you can, you can leverage the, what you're used to is huge. Uh, I mean, whether it's it's CLI configuration, even Ansible has a very good ability to use playbooks and stuff. Similarly, where you can you're you're looking at it how you would normally configure a regular router or switch, then you could jump off of that and utilize it. So that's a, that's awesome. I, I was very much intimidated by NetMiko and Paramiko or whatever. I'm not a programmer. I hate programming and. I intensely hate programming. I'm a network engineer, a network architect. I hate programming like a lot of people do. However, if you look at what you do in a, in a config of a router, it's basically programming as well. It's a different language. Um, what I found the most easy to use was actually Ansible because you basically, the only thing you do is you point at some Ansible module and then you start typing in your CLI commands. So the step from CLI to Ansible is really small. And then after a while, well, when I started, there were no Ansible modules, so that was a bit, bit more difficult. But now there are Ansible modules for almost anything. And now you can say, okay, so I want OSPF present. I want it to be running. And that's the only thing you'll have to do. And actually Cisco takes care of the rest because they write the Ansible modules behind it or Red Hat uh, does that. So, uh, you can stay really, really close to the CLI that you know while using Ansible, while you're actually slowly moving towards programming, but not in a very programming way. It's not like you're constantly fighting curly braces and uh, semicolons and no, you're fighting spaces in Ansible because YAML is, we call it in Dutch, we call it jammer, uh, too bad. It's it's such a shame that they use spaces <laughs> and uh, that, that they're so strict on spaces. But um, yeah, it is it is 
I, I would prefer to go to, to Ansible because it's not programming. It's actually writing down what you want. And then from there, you'll, you'll figure out that actually what you're doing is programming, but it doesn't look like programming. So the, me the mental hurdle is a lot smaller. I think that's the beauty of all this, right, is there's no one, there's no wrong way to get into this. And I think it, to Dan's point, Dan, Dan's explanation was actually amazing. So is yours. I was just going to want to inject a little joke there, say one line of code at a time, because one of the times, one of the things you all hear about a lot, especially everybody on this call, when you're starting into programmability and automation, the biggest thing that you hear a lot is just start, just get started, just write something or take somebody else's something and then expand on it and all that. And I think that's what's one of the coolest things about this whole, this whole approach to running and managing a network or becoming a network developer is that you're not alone. It's, there's a huge communal, communal aspect of it. I mean, you can utilize Dan's stuff, you can utilize Mark's stuff and however you want to get started. I think that's, that's the beauty of it is there's there's no wrong way it's just whatever works the best for you in your situation so and definite has some really nice sources of information if you want to find my stuff look at the cicd toolbox on github or uh, net cicd on github and you'll find it will build you a data center um what about wh what about your repos nalima you said you do open source share them yes uh, sure so if you want to become a network developer, then you have to start small. Just uh, start off with the CLIs and then uh, go ahead and you can also use NetConf, which is faster when compared to NetMaker or, or Paramico. And then on top of it, you can use uh, programmability, uh, Yang models uh, to connect, to send some commands to the device and retrieve the data from the device in a, a Yang model format. So there are a lot of resources to check out. Uh, you can also check out my GitHub. Uh, there are a few sample code for a uh, few of the open source projects where uh, you can use Napalm, Nornier, or Scraply uh, on how to communicate or automate this configuration of all the network devices. And uh, there are a lot of other resources. Uh, the there is uh, well-maintained documentation of these tools. So you can check out and uh, just get started uh, with small code and slowly you'll uh, reach to that point where you would be very comfortable with it. And uh, uh, if you have a good knowledge on Python, because Python is very easy, anyone can learn it. So just spend some time on Python and you're all good to use any network automation tool uh, in the available, which is available. And if you get stuck, Stack Overflow, Stack Exchange, yes. Google. <laughs> yeah, Google it. <laughs> you, you're not the only one that had that problem. One of the things that has been touched on a couple times here is the, you just kind of, this iterative development process. And that was one of the things that when I first started playing with some of this stuff was, was really cool, was the, hey, I'm going to, set up a VLAN. Well, now I can create a loop and set up 10 VLANs. Well, now I can create a loop for 10 different switches that I'm going to push this to. And all of a sudden, by taking this, this one base set of code and then just kind of continually adding to it, I was able to build out a whole bunch of functionality by just, again, one line at a time. One, like I get something working and this is cool. Now I want to do this next thing. And I really, my first foray into some of the, the configs was I was, I was deploying, it was like 20 switches 
with 20 VLANs and uh, like HSRP configs and things like that. Like it was, it was crazy. And the amount of config stuff that I could push, it took, I don't know, a minute or two to go through and, and push all of that to a device where to do all that manually would have taken days. So it's that side of just once you can, you get those things built out and you can kind of get the, the feel for the power behind it is it's really cool. That's, that's, that's pretty nice. And I like how uh, we have talked about our personal experience getting into the, the net, you know, network development and automation, all of that. And it sounds like, you know, automation is saving the day from, is saving us from the day to day, quote unquote, boring task, which is amazing. So what if we look at this um, from a, you know, in a, with a bigger, what, what if we look at the bigger picture? What are some of the benefits that a network developer, you know, ex-network engineer person brings to the business when they know and they understand, you know, how to develop on the network and how to make things? What are some of those, what are some of those values that, that, you know, that team will bring to the table in the case of the business, more than just the technical stuff, you know, more than just creating VLAN and, and picking a thousand devices, like what's so good about it for the business? There's actually a few things in my opinion. There's the speed, which is tangible, but there's also the non-tangible stuff because automation is all about intent and it makes you think because it goes so fast you have to think ahead of what you're going to do and what you're going to uh, want to achieve. Maybe you start thinking about what you want to achieve a lot better when you do automation than when you just type on the CLI where you just start. So that's the non-tangible part for me, that automation brings intent, but that also brings the realization that after you automated the configuration, you actually have to check if it behaves the way you think it should behave, hence the term intent. Because then you, you need to start taking the second step and that is start testing to see if the intent is actually executed in the way you intended it to be. You know, one, one, one thing that to, 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 to piggyback off of that and even talk about what, what Kenny's point was, I think in both of, both of those same points, right? The business value is you've taken somebody who knows the network and knows how it impacts the business and knows what it's supposed to do from a functional standpoint, and you just put them as the translator to take that information and put it into an automated fashion, even if that person isn't the network developer. Maybe there's another person that's a network developer, and you have to take the network engineer, senior network engineer, the architects, and all these folks to translate what you want it to do so they understand what the impact's going to be once the developer or a lot of times companies, large companies, they have their own application development teams that you have to go and work with. And they do a lot of the coding and, and stuff like that, right? So sometimes the translation and understanding the business use case and, and that, that knowledge, I hate to say tribal knowledge, but the knowledge of what a network engineer or architect has, they understand how it's going to impact the business. The developer, if it's a straight developer, may not. So there's that trans, this translation, or if you're the same person, where you're the network engineer becoming a network developer, you are you're you're essentially that translation or that glue tying those two pieces of the of the business together. So, I think there's there's a lot to to what what everybody just said. Even Dan's point too, agility. Like you will move a lot faster. Uh, even Mark's point, right? I mean, 
you can you can make all these different changes and, and, and automate things to kind of increase the value of what you're doing or maybe free up your principal architects and those type of folks so they have more time to do other things because you're not wasting the time saying config t interface vlans you know that that takes a lot of time kind of going back to what dan was, dan was saying there well and even to build on that when you start looking at at just exactly that the kind of the buzzword right now of shift left like we're going to take this stuff and we're going to move things around you can take a lot of the the configuration that normally would require somebody logging in and it's got to be somebody familiar with the environment that knows what they're doing, all that stuff. And you can you package that from a, a programmatic standpoint, put it to an API endpoint or tie it into some other system, tie it into a service now request, for example, where somebody else can just come in, create a, a request through a different tool. And then that there's a workflow in place that just happens. So creating a firewall rule or creating a VLAN or whatever it might be adding up a, a pool of addresses or whatever that happens programmatically. You don't need an in, there's not a ticket that gets assigned to an engineer that then has to open it, go into an IPAM database, find an open subnet, assign it in IPAM, go in, create the, the VLAN, create the, add the VLAN to all of the trunk links, uh, create the SVIs, like all of that work is a huge amount of time. But it's the same work pretty much every time. If you can get to a point where that process end-to-end -end is automated, a network engineer doesn't need to get involved. It's, it's programmatic. It's done the same way every time. Streamlines the entire process. And then, number one, the networking team, again, they're not getting those tickets. From an application side, the person that's putting in that request, whatever they're trying to do, is done in minutes instead of days. So you're you're speeding up whatever business processes are happening and doing that not consuming engineering time. So you're basically freeing up brain power to be creative towards your customer. Exactly. Yeah, and then and, and Mark made a good point after you know kind of kind of what Dan just said, there's a step after that. And that is did everything that I just do work? Or did it cause me other heartache and pain? Uh, so there, that's that whole continuous development and you know CITD kind of thing or CITD, CICD, CITD, CITD was another work thing that I too many acronyms with the same letters. Uh, but yeah, it gives you that continuous innovation, continuous de development to be able to see if I did this, will it work? And you can do it in lab, production, wherever you want. And then once you've gotten to the point where you've done this enough times to know that when I click that button or I have a workflow kick off. It's going to create that VLAN. It's going to pull that subnet. It's going to put the switchboard mode access in there and all the switchboard voice VLAN, all the stuff you want. And you know it It just works exactly the same way every time. That's when you can start leveraging, you know, le you know, pushing it out to the rest of your business. But that's also when you free up brain, the brain power because you then don't, you no longer have to think about all those mundane things, but you can really put your brains to work for the customer because you can then start thinking about adding value. And, and, and configuring a VLAN does not add value. It takes away impediments. It does not add value. So, Mike, you're right about that, right? You're taking away, you're saving brain power, processing power, CPU cycles, whatever you want to call it. But And, and that's great, you know, um, someone in the field doing all the work and you know, not doing and focusing on something else, you know, or better things. So, but what about the 
the new talents that are joining the IT world today? Do you think they will they have to go back and relearn, you know, spanning three chains of priority here, manually do these, do that? How can someone or our listeners, shout out out there, how can our listeners that are just joining, you know, the IT force, the networking, you know, the networking industry, how can they go from, you know, zero knowledge to become that network engineer person or maybe network developer? Do I, are we skipping the whole networking engineering and mundane task? How, how are we doing there? What, what do you have out there that we can recommend them to start with? <laughs> I wish you could see this video right now. <laughs> Jason's holding up his books. Hey, yeah, Jason's holding up the box. The godfather of automation out there. But Kenny, the only thing to do is to just start. Um, for those who think I no longer have to learn my networking, forget it. If you do automation, you will have to understand networking better than anyone because you'll do it a lot faster. And if you don't understand it, you'll wreck it a lot faster. But there are so many great courses that do the combination. If you look at DevNet, all the DevNet associate and etc. If you look at uh, all the, the, the training on Udemy, uh, Cisco Live is has been for the last the five years. Any session at Cisco Live on automation has been absolutely uh, instrumental for me to understand, okay, so this is the way you approach it. This is the way you approach it. I had the privilege of presenting in Barcelona. There's a lot of stuff to learn from other people that do that because there's so many ways to approach it. Never ever will you be able to just skip knowledge because you also have to have knowledge about automation. You also have to have knowledge about what you automate. However, you don't need knowledge anymore about mundane tasks that everybody else has automated. Jason, you're looking very, very, very uh, either confused or... No, I actually, I, I, I think you're onto something here because I think one of the things that you're talking about is how do folks get started? What do they have to learn, right? The other thing is what I like to, one of my biggest things is I try to encourage folks to get started and learn on things that are not... They don't. They do not cause anxiety or make you feel like you're stressing out or you're going to blow up your own network or it's too hard to get started and everything. So one thing I want to show. I mean, I, nobody's probably watching this, but it's it's more of a, an audio thing. But a Raspberry Pi kit, even, you know, you can literally do some. Start with something fun first, right? I, I mean, start with something fun first. Okay, that's my biggest biggest thing. Because yes, you eventually want to take what you learn and apply it to your network. You want to apply it to being a developer. You want to make sure you can automate some of these things. You could totally get a Raspberry Pi. I bought this for my daughter. I bought a Raspberry Pi kit. I'm holding it up and it comes with this little starter kit that I bought that has like potentiometers and breadboards and displays and funky things. But the reason I thought it was super cool was it even shows you there is a drag and drop menu system for programming that ties back into Python with this little GUI. Stretch. And it's super, yeah, it's super great, right? So I haven't even opened this thing yet, but it's one of those things that like if, if you grab this, you can... You can use it for anything. You can. One of the things that I wanted to do was build like a RetroPie gaming system for my daughter and I, like an arcade system. Um, you could. I was even thinking about taking one of these that I have and using utilizing it for water monitoring in my basement because they have the ability to. If you close like some of these pins on these Raspberry Pis, you can set alerts. So if these two pins close because 
water touches something, you could get alerting when there's water in your basement just by using a Raspberry Pi and email or text message, SMS or something. So I would say find something that you really want to you want to do that'll be fun to get started with and then utilize something like that. And then and, and then to Mark and, and, and uh, Dan's point and, and even Kenny's point, everybody's point, really, DevNet, wherever you go and get started, if you can find a way to take something that you're learning and put it into context of something that you already know, that's that's when the magic happens. Because then you could sit back and start saying, well, I already know how to configure VLANs. I already know how to configure ports. Well, now let me use this script. Go out to GitHub. You heard a couple of repositories out there already. Go out to GitHub, download some of these scripts and test them in a little uh, lab or something at your house. And then you can see that this stuff will work uh, in your own context without, da- without worrying about damaging production or anything. I think that's the other thing, right? Yeah. So since you kind of touched on just having fun with it, there's a, a couple things to throw out there. Um, one of the things when I first started working with just learning Python, um, I found a, a series on creating a, like a Pong clone in Python. And it was just a very basic, here's how you, how you get it working. But all of a sudden I'm, I'm going through it. I'm like, man, it'd be cool if I could put a prompt in to change the color of player one's paddle or player two's paddle, or you could, you could enter your name for whoever you were. You could adjust the speed of the game or how many, how many points you got. Like a, a game is one point or five points or whatever. So there was that, that process of just, I had fun setting up a game, but then it was, how do I make this, better how do i have more fun with it and just learning i mean there there were all sorts of things where things didn't work the way that i thought they would so yes quick quick internet searches and you'd find oh it's because i need to do this or i need to call that or whatever it might be but you find that stuff out as you go and you can continually improve stuff the other thing that i will throw out is there are a ton of video games that just get into some of the automation, some of the building out scripts or, or building. There was one that I saw that gets into like the, the AI ML and learning that stuff. So there's a lot of stuff that has just been, been created to make that learning process a little more fun, a little less dry. And yeah, the more that you think like a programmer, you think about how do I build these as, as loops or how do I set up conditions to do whatever, the the error checking and everything else that's going to go into it, building up that that mindset is is important as opposed to coming at it strictly from a, here's a command I want to run, here's a command I want to run, trying to, to change that mindset a little bit. And uh, I have some points to give here. Actually, I think I would be the right person to answer this question because all my team are freshers and they don't have any networking knowledge and we nice. just jumped in. So, uh, and whenever I attend, uh, I take any interviews of the candidates or attend some career phase, people will come and ask, do we actually need uh, networking knowledge to get into Cisco so, or uh, any other networking role? So, uh, my answer to this are from my own experience, uh, we have started off uh, with the uh, start software knowledge and then once we get assigned with some tasks, we, s- we parallelly learn the networking knowledge in parallel and use our uh, software s- skills uh, in order to do the work. 
so you can always you should basically have that passion towards networking at least the basic knowledge of how it works and what is it used for then um, you will just go with the flow you you learn on on the go that that's pretty nice and you know since you since you already talking you know since you touched that point about hiring stuff let me ask you this do you think automation is automating people out of jobs do you think people are losing are going to run, you know, not have a job because things are being automated. And, you know, you need a technician to create 100 billions, but now you have one script that can do it. What's your What's your opinion on that? Yeah, uh, when like for example, before automation, there were a lot of network engineers doing the stuff uh, on multiple devices. But now we are automating the tasks. Now only one network engineer can do all this uh, configuration on multiple network devices. So. Uh, they have to develop their skills. We are basically increasing the software uh, roles. So you have to jump into the software roles and come up and write the scripts. So it is going to be equal. We are not reducing the roles, but then uh, we are adding more of the software roles, I would say. Okay. Sounds and at my customer, I'm facing that exact discussion. People say they want me to automate Basically, you're saying I'm not doing my job right. And I'm telling them, no, you're doing your job right. But people are 96% reliable at most if they didn't have a party the day before. Uh, So you'll make mistakes. And if you code stuff, then you can check uh, or have somebody else check before it gets deployed. That's one thing. The other thing is, if you don't develop yourself, you'll be out of a job. But if you don't develop yourself, you'll be out of a job regardless of what you're doing. If you look, uh, I'm from Europe, so maybe it's different here, but we are very short on people and people are scrambling to get the job done. So automation will actually make their work-life balance the part life may reappear in the work-life balance, uh, which means that automation will, in the end, bring more fun to your job because the stuff that you actually hate to do because you need to do it all over again, that's going to disappear and you can actually start doing some real work. That's what people tell me. Finally, I get some time to to do some real work because the boring stuff is out of the way. Does that mean everybody will stay in their jobs? You will not, uh, you may not lose your job, but your work may change. And that is a fundamental difference. Being out of a job is something else than being out of work. Your work will change. Is that bad? No. Changes are good. Yeah, I think you bring up you bring up a very valid discussion because I have this discussion quite a bit. One of the things that you know you, you think about is that what you will be doing will definitely change. How you will be doing it will change. But the truth of the matter is, if you get to the point, and, I, and I've said this before, if you get to the point where you can quote unquote automate yourself out of the job where you don't do anything anymore and it's just completely automated. Somebody wants something, they go to a self-service portal or a, or a ServiceNow portal, they click a button, they have it, and you're you're completely obsolete. Every other company in the entire world would hire you to do the exact same thing, so you would not ever be looking for a job. Because if you have skills that good, uh, you will you will be in very, very high demand. Uh, so my, my, my saying to that would be, don't worry so much about being automated out of a job. 
and, and your boss will never let you go any right, time. Right, <laughs> Because then they'll have, they'll have more for you to automate. Right. And that's, just, yeah, you have to think about what the company's going to evolve to after you've automated everything you've automated. They're, they want you free so you can think about the next three, five, seven year plan of what the company's going to do to incorporate technology and utilize it for the way forward. And they're going to need you to work on that and to potentially automate that too. So Exactly. Automate yourself out of a job. And new jobs will come. <laughs> so ask a fun question here. So we kind of talked about how people got into, into the field and touched on Stack Overflow and, and GitHub a little bit, but tools that people people like using. There's there's a bunch of different things out there. What are what's everyone's go-to? What's your your favorite thing to dig into or work with? At this point in this point in time, Ansible. And I'm looking at Terraform. But there's different use cases. Terraform is about intent. Ansible is about taking that intent and implementing it. And I play with Jenkins. And a lot of people say Jenkins is old. But the good thing is there's so much documentation that you can actually use it. It's for mere mortals like me, it's usable. And uh, yeah, th that's what I basically... Yeah, I, I, I love the robot framework. I love it because it's just normal language text and the people at uh, cisco with pi ats did so such a wonderful job to actually make sure that you can stay in the normal language realm and you don't have to think about the translation to uh, the, the 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 commands those are the most important things i was i was actually afraid that you were going to ask okay you got into automation how do you get out of it but luckily you didn't ask that <laughs> that'll be the next question well, in my case, um, by no means I'm an expert in automation. I do, I do have a, you know, I highly respect people that can think that way, you know, so broad and multiple legs at the same time. I'm more like a straight line kind of, you know, thinker, hence security right here. But some of the tools that I use, and I think they have been, um, they bring some benefit to the tables. Just like Mark said, Ansible, Postman actually like you know for your api calls and stuff like that and netconfig oh netconf i think it's called netconf netconf and jam duality of netconf and jam has been very useful to me it's entry level it's very simple to use very simple to understand it helps you to automate things and a lot of people not use node red as well and, and that's the beauty of that right there's so many things out there right and you know without cutting anybody off because i know some of you still want to respond to that question for then of what are you using out there? What is one single stray line for somebody that just get up this morning and said, I want to start with automation. This podcast is great. There's so many tools out there. I don't know what to do. What book do I pick? Where do I start? Is there any certification out there? Is there any special class that covers all this, all, everything? Where do I start? Jason, that's for you. What's interesting to you? Should I let Dan Dan speak first, and then and then I'll and I'll and then I'll retort. I'll, I'll come back with my. That was it. Just like there's a lot. What what interests you? What do you want to do? And it, 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 that's I think that's that's why when we break this down and have these real conversations like this, these unfiltered ones, that's where I think we get to the actual truth of a lot of this. And the truth is, it doesn't matter where you start as long as you start. However, if you want to make it easy on yourself, or I should say easier on yourself, you might want to look at something that you could get more bang out of the more bang for your buck with. So, for example, if 
you said postman. That was going to be my answer. And the reason I was going to say postman was you need to get started before you automate anything. Before you automate anything, you don't need to know what's an API. How does an API work? API kind of works like a webhook or like a web page. You know, you got, you know, the, the, the quote unquote crud functions to create, read, update, delete, all these things. You're doing HTTP gets to get information. You're posting information like a login ID and password. And you're getting information back through a git. And there's all of these terms and verbs and words and things that I just threw out there that if you didn't start somewhere, you wouldn't even know. And I, I always tend to point folks back to DevNet because we have, we have that now. And it's gotten to the point where I think we're over 700, 800,000 folks going through DevNet who are, are assigned to DevNet or who have signed up for DevNet, I should say. But the reason I like that is because it walks you through how do you get started in the simple form. So, for example, Postman is amazing because you could sit in there and you could do different API calls to all these different platforms, Cisco SD-WAN, Cisco DNA Center, non-Cisco anything, right? Whatever you want. Um, but I think I think getting started with that and understanding how to use an API and all that is super cool. And you can, you can really get a lot of knowledge out of that. You can even do automation within Postman itself. So you can run multiple different types of collections and calls and things where it just, it can do a lot of, get the information you need out of something without having to really know the deep dive, how do I even do anything in Python? Because one of the biggest things I see with, with folks who are trying to learn Python or any of these programming languages is the fact that they think that they have to go develop some massive application like SAP or something. Like you're, you're not developing, it, it's not, you are literally instead translating, going back to that translation thing I talked about, you're translating what you have in your head that you know as a network engineer or operator into a different language so it can apply that to some sort of a software, which is the development piece, right? So I think if you could go through, look at DNA Center, go, go to dcloud, go to some of these different places, dcloud.cisco.com or developer.cisco.com if you want to know more about uh, 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 DevNet. But if you go to these places and look at some of these, these examples, you can do API calls and learn about the API structures right within the products themselves. And it can execute that right to the same product without having to be off box. And then to Mark's point, which was huge, documentation. Just go find something and read the documentation on how they do their API structure and then take it into Postman and see how you could use it. And then before you even start trying to rip it apart yourself, go check out the GitHub and, and see how there's a script that's already done hitting some sort of device. I'll, I'll pick on Cisco DNA Center because it's easy. You point to a DNA Center device, you can see how you authenticate, you can see the first API calls, you can see all that information right in somebody else's script so you can see what it's doing and understand that without having to reinvent the wheel. So I think that's all of that together is is the straight line. I mean, there is no straight line, I think, in any of this. I mean, I think a lot of your progression, it's like it's like an upside down bell curve, right? It's like you feel like you're doing great and then you just fall into this horrible valley for this long period of time and get discouraged. Then you start climbing back out and you're like, I learned something. And then you fall into a new valley. Oh, there's NetMiko. Oh, man. You climb back out. Oh. Python crunch, but if you can, if you, if, if you can make that line across that, as long as you get across the humps, you're in good shape. <laughs> well, that, that's what I liked about the net DevOps uh, live sessions from Hank Preston, because, uh, it started, I, I think three years ago, four years ago at the time that everybody was starting with automation. And if you want to take some first first steps, just go to the first sessions of NetDevOps Live and just listen or read or 
they take really small steps. They explain really well how it works. And then from there, you'll start jumping forward. I guess the one other thing that I would say is less technology and more just talking to people. Uh, if you know somebody that's a software developer or somebody that's got the, the development skills, if you know somebody that's familiar with that, having some of those conversations, uh, Jason had mentioned some of the, the translation stuff. I, I used to work with a, we had a, a developer, a, a, what was he, a DevOps engineer on our team. So working with him, talking to him, learning some of this, the way that he approached things was, was really cool. And gave a, you know, that, that personal communication instead of trying to read something or whatever was pretty awesome. All right. Well, another great episode on the Bookstar listeners. If you want to check out some of the useful resources we talked about today, uh, just check out the links provided in the show notes below. And of course, just a last reminder, subscribe to or follow Cisco Champion Radio so you receive alerts when we release an episode. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Until next time.